All right, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Hey, this service, there's a little bit more elbow room. You're wondering where the other people were. They were in the first service. So it's okay to spread out a little bit here today. I, I'm glad we're doing two. I don't think we could fit everybody today, and that would be a bummer to leave anybody out. So we're glad you made it to the sleep-in service, and uh, this is really good that you're here today and enjoying the time. Jesus rose from the dead. You got out of bed. It's a great day, right, to, to be here, to be alive. And, and so as mentioned, if if you're new with us here and you found yourself here at, at Christ the King North Bay, we're glad you came. And, and I'm, I'm Dan, I serve as the pastor here. And I'm here most of the year, actually. So we'd love for you to come back if you're new to, you know, in the area. And you're, and in fact, I ran into a couple of people that are, hadn't been coming for a while. So we're glad to have you back. Come, welcome home to be there. Some of you are home, like you're with your parents today or, you know, your family together. And they, they kind of tricked you, like, come to church and then we'll take you out to dinner or something okay so good job whatever works the gimmicks to get you here so we, we joke about that getting drugged to church you know they drug you or whatever but that's a bad joke anyway but you're here today um, and we want to thank you for the opportunities we celebrate together the resurrection of Jesus that we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about but this is a special day for us actually this year North Bay this church we're celebrating 20 years we're having our 20th anniversary and it's interesting for our history our church started April 20th. Our first public service was April 20th, 2003. And so today, this is our 20th Easter uh, here, and we're going to have a 20-year anniversary time together on April 24th. It's a Monday evening. And so we're just inviting anybody who would like to come to be a part of this. Um, what, what we're going to do, we're going to have a meal together. We're gonna, you're, you'll bring the meal, and we'll share that together. And then we're going to hear some voices of the past, some people that will be coming here that had been part of the church and they moved on and they're coming back, or some, some videos and some voices that way. So we'll look back a little bit. We'll really celebrate what God's doing, and then we're going to look toward the future because I don't think God's done with the church. Uh, he, he's just starting. He's just getting going. Uh, and, and as much as this is happening, um, we're, we're looking ahead on what, what the Lord truly has uh, for us. For me personally, I, this is my 15th, well, 15, 15 Easter's, technically 14 here, and one year was from my living room. I think that was 2020, was that? You guys remember that year? We're still recovering from that year, aren't we, thinking about it. But we're here celebrating, and here's the, here's the interesting thing about um, the, the story of Easter. It doesn't change, right? It doesn't change. The tomb is empty. Death has been defeated. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why this day is so, so important that we're, we're taking time to gather here today. And so thanks for being here with us. And so we're going to, I'm going to start off just with a question as we, as we jump in. That, um, you know, if you look back, you know, the 2000 Easter's, we don't go far that, that far back, but Easter does. We look in today and we look at the fact that where we are, even after we have all these Easter's, we still need the Easter story. We still need to go back and reflect upon it. All the, all the world is filled with such desperation, death and despair and, and hopelessness. We need to look back and reflect. So we're going to relive it. We're going to reflect upon it. But as we do, I want to ask you this question. What is your first memory of life? What do you recall in your first images? And I know it's interesting when you think about that because you have pictures of you as a child. You have mom and dad stories and everything. But I remember a moment, a couple moments. And one of those um, was about, I think about my mom looking back. I remember her telling me I was about three years old. And we were at Lake Samish. And we were in that little swimming area there in that park. 
I remember a little sand on the beach. And I remember this screaming and this commotion happening. And there were, someone pulled out a boy, I don't know, a little bit older than me, and he was blue. And they tried to resuscitate the little boy, and he died. They couldn't do it. They took, took him away. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't make it. And that imprinted in me, but it also impressed my mom in such a way that it brought fear to her. And in fact, the next few years, she was so skittish of me being near the water. She, she, I would go, don't go too far out. Don't, you know, Danny, don't go too, you know. And she was so careful with me and over, just overly cautious at times. I mean, there's times where like I'm, I'm, eating my, I'm eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm going to run in the water. She goes, oh, no, you got to wait an hour before you eat. I'm an hour. I, I'm, I'm six. I can't wait an hour for anything, you know. But she had this, she had this thing. And so someone along the line, someone, someone says, you know, you're, to help relieve your fears, you need, to, you need to teach your son to swim. And so I ended up learning to swim. At, I didn't learn until I was 10 years old. Until my mom saw me, I could hold my breath underwater, and I can, I can float on myself. I can dog paddle on my own. She, she was like, okay, she, her, her, her fear was relieved a little bit. She had some hope. You ever heard of hope floats? Literally, that was me. When she saw her son could float in the water, there was some hope there. And I, I want to talk about hope this morning, that hope really floats, that, it, that we need hope in our life. If there's anything else that we need, of all air and water and, and food and everything, we, need, we really, really need hope. It's the very motivation of our life. And I think especially in this post-pandemic world, is that we need hope. Now, there's kind of been less hope, really, and, 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 of course, hope always comes into who or what we're putting our hope in. For a lot of us, hope, we look to human solutions for hope. You know, people turn to government. They turn to education. They turn to their jobs. They turn, even the last few years, to stimulus checks. They, you know, money. They turn to different things. There are certain things they're trying to count on and put their hope in. And maybe even they're working really hard, like learning to swim, swimming lessons in life, trying to get through. And, that they, and yet... There's just not enough. It doesn't meet the need. All human hope, there's not, there's not enough there. And so the, the, the second best, best of hope is what? We cope. And we cope in some ways. Some of those ways are not helpful. They're, they're, they're actually coping mechanisms. They can lead us down to unhealthy ways. So people turn to alcohol and substance abuse. They turn to online addictions. They turn to unhealthy relationships that lead down the, the, this destruction in their life. They actually lead down a road that actually causes so much destruction and pain and division and depression and really even danger. See, tragically, we see this, the utter hopelessness that's found in our society. We see this in, we, we see this in mass shootings are happening monthly, aren't they? We look at the statistics of teens and young adults and suicide rates have just skyrocketed. And we just see this utter hopelessness that's there. Maybe you would see yourself today and maybe you're watching online. I forgot to greet you. Happy Easter, Resurrection Day, if you're watching here, is that you have a place of hopelessness. But can I go further with you is that as much as people say, well, I'm not really in that category, I bet there's a lot of us could say at times where you just kind of hope less. That's my question for you. Do, are you hopeless? Is there just less hope than you used to have? There's enough of life, and maybe last three years of COVID have affected that, but let's just, let's just not make that excuse any longer. What if it's just life? What if the things that you're going through, you're, just, you're down on hope? If hope was a soap dispenser, and you're pumping it, you're out. You feel like there's just not enough to get through and to help you through it. And I think as we look at, in, into the Easter story again, 
we're going to find that the very people, the very people that were part of the first Easter story, they, their hope was misguided as well. They were hoping for something that really wasn't the true source of hope, even though they were with the one who held it all together with hope. See, I think a lot of us, hope is, is kind of like wishful thinking. When we think of hope, we think of things like, you know, I hope it works out. But when we say that, we're kind of saying, it kind of maybe will, but it won't. It's like saying the Mariners are going to make the World Series. I hope the Mariners make the World Series. I'm, I'm giving a strong statement this morning. I hope the Mariners make the World Series. Do I think they will? I don't know. <laughs> they're, they get, they're the only team in, in, in Major League Baseball in history that never made it. They're, they're due. They're due for it. But they're, they're a series away last year. I hope. It's kind of wishful thinking a little bit. You hope it's going to happen. And, and, and what you do is, in the meantime, with hoping, you just kind of dogpile, dogpile, dog paddle really fast to try to, to do that. And I think of hope of this way. Hope is kind of like cotton candy. You know, it's, it's all puffed up. It looks really, really good. And then, of course, it depends on where you go. If, like, you know, you go to Disneyland, it's, it's a fortune to buy. And, and then you, you grab it, and your kids get it, and you, you eat it, and it's like there's not much to it. It just kind of dissolves in your mouth, and you just got sticky hands all day. There's just nothing, there's nothing really for it. It doesn't have a lot of substance to that. There's, there's, that's kind of how hope is sometimes with human hope. It's like, it's like, it's like grabbing the air. There's really nothing that's there. And it's, and we find ourselves just disappointed continually. See, when we, yet, when we look to hope, to grasp hope, we, there's a greater hope that's there. And, and so true hope, it, it comes to the, to this God of hope, a hope that is available to, to fill us and refill our life that we're going to look at. And it comes, how do we go, where do we get the source? Well, we have the, the manual. We have the, we have the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, to help us to do that. And this last several weeks, if you're jumping in with us, we're actually in the middle of a series called Once for All. We sang in actually a line in a song here today. Once for all, what Jesus did, what he accomplished, it, through the book of Hebrews we're reading. And if you read the first 10 chapters, what you find, it's one big message that that no matter your efforts, no matter how hard you're dog paddling, how great a swimmer you are, how great to obtain, try to get close to God, it will never be enough. All this, they talk about all the sacrifices in the Old Testament, all these religious activities they make. It was not enough until Jesus came. And he was the one. As, as we just saying this morning, and we had Good Friday, and it was Good Friday because Jesus died on the cross for our sins once for all took care of that for us and here we are celebrating the third day the resurrection he took care of it for us well then what well we actually turn this next week we're going to be reading hebrews 11 in fact you might have read up to this you get another week of hebrews 11 so i'm going to give us one anchor verse here today that we're going to build our easter message on and it's hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 and we're going to get to the Easter story in a moment. But I want to share this. It's just perfect timing for us in the season we're here. It's, it's where true hope is, and not in empty promises, promises, but actual evidence. Look at this, Hebrews 11. It says this, Now faith is the confidence what we hope for and the assurance about, of, about what we do not see. Let me read it again. Now faith, how, what is faith? It's a confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The word faith here, it's pistis, it's in Greek, and you're like, I don't need, that's Easter, I don't need to learn Greek. But today, you got a Greek word there, and it means also, if you read in, your, in English, in the Bible, it means believe or trust. Faith, belief, and trust 
are derivative of this root word pieces. And it's significant because this word actually means, one of the meanings means this, to stand under. So basically, or to, to put your, and then, and then it also says this, to put your full weight upon. To put your full weight upon it. That's where faith is. Today, you demonstrated faith after you sat down on a chair. You put your full weight on this chair. What'd you do? You trusted, you had faith, you believed that that chair would hold you up. Some of you didn't doubt it at all. You're people of faith. You're just like, of course it's going to hold me up. Didn't think about it because you're not a thousand pounds and it's not a rickety chair. There's some equation there that goes with it, and I get that. But we've got to look at faith that way. Faith is something we do. It's not an... It's not a, um, a passive belief. It's actually an active thing. In fact, in James, it says, faith without works is dead. There's action that we take with it. It's what propels us forward that leads to hope. Faith leads to hope. Faith in, and it, it inspires us toward hope. And see, what I found recently, in fact, our small group, we were discussing this the other night, and, and it really is helpful as I listen to some other things about hope, is, is that, that our Western version of a hope is actually almost directly opposite of the biblical version of hope. What we find is the hope, as I mentioned earlier, it's like wishful thinking. I hope that will happen. But what we say that happen is like fat chance it's happening. <laughs> you know, I hope this turns out. I hope this works out. Like it's a really strong maybe. You know, there's not much substance to it. It's kind of like cotton candy. And yet faith is so much different. God's view of faith is actually so opposite his hope it's certainty of a known future because when we say when we say there's hope we have a hope in something we're putting a hope in an unknown future we really know what's going to happen we kind of let fate be involved with that and it's not very faith-filled at all when we think that way about hope but hope is something of substance in fact the, the, another word instead of assurance is substance it's confidence in the future because of because of the god of all hope that we have and I love in, in a few chapters back in Hebrews 6, it says this of hope, that hope we have is an anchor to our soul. Cotton candy and our belief in, you know, our, our anchor. What do you want to turn to? You want to turn to the solid, the, the, what's, what's solid, what's firm, what has substance to this. So what do you put this together of faith? It's this. Faith means placing our full weight in a certain future, knowing that we, we just don't see it yet, but we will. Let me say that again. Faith is, means this, placing our full weight in a certain known future that we don't see, but we will. That's the confidence that we can have. And so what this means, that shapes everything about our faith, about our life, actually. It shapes it this way, like how we handle our, our, our current circumstances, how we process problems, how we deal with difficulties, how do we endure suffering, how we face our fears, all shape with that. My mom, her fears changed because she didn't put hope and faith of that I'm going to make it or not make it. She put some confidence in those swimming lessons that there's a way, there's a path that's there. That, oh, hope does, it can float. It's available for us. There was some certainty that happened that's there. But even greater, when we put our certainty in God, the God of a hope, and what's beautiful about this today is the resurrected hope has a name. And that's what we declare today. Easter has everything to do with this. What we're doing with Easter, what we're doing in the resurrection is this. We're putting our full weight on the historical reality of the resurrection of Jesus that leads us to an unseen 
but known future. That's what, how powerful this is. How do I know this and how do many of you know this already? It's because you read the book. You read before, but you're also reading ahead. Read the end of the Bible. It, 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 it ends well. It ends well. There's twists and turns in the unknowns of our life, but at the end of the day, we do know we can have that confidence. Isn't that a great? Isn't that amazing to think that way, to have that assurance in that? But it does require faith. The Easter story is about who we put our hope in. Where are we putting our full weight of our faith, and what are we hoping for? See, the Easter story many times starts with the resurrection morning, but we got to go back three years before. And I want you to listen to this, and I want you to picture yourself as one of the disciples of Jesus that's following this. And I want you to think about hope and where you're placing your hope in and who you're placing your hope in and what agenda that you have for your life. See, three plus years before the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is come, he's, he's, he's somewhat unknown at first because he comes from this little village in Nazareth and he comes down into Galilee and he begins to preach and teach and people are going, oh, that's a little different. He begins to proclaim over and over and over and he talks about his kingdom. This kingdom that is being built, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, King God. It's the one topic that Jesus talked about the most. You know what the second topic he talked about the most? Money, by the way. But the kingdom of God, and those are connected, right? Our treasures, what we hold, what we hold on to. What are we hope, putting hope in? And he says, here, let me tell you about my kingdom. And as he does this, he begins to gather crowds of people, but specifically he selects followers, his team, to travel with him as he spends, spreads the message of the kingdom of God. And along the lines, he's gaining popularity. And, and so all of a sudden these disciples, the ones that are real close to him, are getting a sense of hope. What they're putting their hope in is that Jesus is going to rise up to be a leader. And as he's talking about a kingdom, they're going, oh, great. If you're building a kingdom, you know the kingdom we want to destroy is the kingdom of Rome. We need to kick those Romans out. They're oppressing us. And if you're, you're going to be a new kingdom that's going to rise up, they're banking on, they're putting your hope in this kingdom that's going to be a political power that's building up. And, and, and they in some ways feel like this is, this is what it's going to be. And yet as the intensity grew in the years to come, it was leading up to the final week, what we find is that they, they weren't listening to him. They heard him, but they weren't believing it. Because Jesus would begin to talk in this way. He says, here I'm building a kingdom, but my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, I, we're going to approach it in a different way. He actually said multiple times that he was going to be arrested, he's going to be tried, he's going to be put to death. And on, on one of those occasions, he specifically lined out that he's going to be crucified. One, a, a specific way of punishment, and then he would rise from the dead but they didn't want to hear it. They were all in denial because the hope they have was something very, very different. Their hope was beginning to be misguided. But until that final week, in fact, even the beginning of the week, they, they would think this, this is going to be amazing because, I mean, they, they started with a parade. I mean, how many, doesn't, how many don't like a parade? I love a parade, right? It started with this hero's welcome as Jesus entered Jerusalem. And they're, they're shouting, you know, Hosanna, and bless us, he comes in the name of the Lord. And they're waving palms. We celebrate Palm Sunday. But it was leading up to this final week. And what was happening is this, this parade, uh, uh, crowds of people are turning to angry mobs. They're yelling pretty, pretty soon to take him down, to crucify him. And the intensity is building. And you get to Thursday evening. 
where we, if you, you were here on Thursday evening, it was a beautiful time. We, we, celebrated, we celebrated Passover, and, and those are there. I was, I've been sick the last few days. I missed that. But I heard it was so amazing. But what was happening is in this Passover time, Jesus was gathering for Passover with his disciples, but it changed a bit. He began to talk about he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And he washed his disciples' feet. Like, what is going on here? I mean, only slaves wash people's feet. Like, he's doing this. And he begins to talk about, I want you to do the same. And you're also going to suffer. And, and you're going to, like, what? This isn't what we're kind of signed up, Jesus. This isn't what we really wanted. And then he held up the Passover meal. And he talked about, he goes, um, the, the Passover lamb. He goes, I, I am the Passover. I am the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so he ends up, what happens is he, he lifts the bread and he says this is my body he lifts the cup this is my this is my um, um, uh, wine and he began or juice and began his, his kingdom I'm sorry I'm, I lost train of thought he, he uh, I'm a little sick sorry there's a cup of water here <coughs> his blood that's what I'm talking about his blood you're with me you're with me you could, you could do this so his, his blood, he's talking about this, and he's, he's saying that he, 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 this is what I'm going to do, and they're like, I don't want to hear it. And then, he's, then he says this, and by the way, one of you is going to betray me, and like, this is getting bad to worse. And, and, then, and, then, and then Judas, the one that betrayed him, kisses him and leaves, and they're like, oh my gosh, the drop, drop the mic there. And, and, and then Peter goes, but I won't do that, Jesus. I would never leave you or forsake you. No, no Peter, you're going to deny me three times this evening. And so immediately right after that, they're going to the garden and, and they, they pray in Gethsemane and then Jesus is arrested. Peter, realizing what's going on, people are asking him, are you with him? You're with him, with him. And all three times he denies him. I don't know this guy. And there's betrayal again. And then through the, through the trial overnight and the, the scourging and the torture in the morning, he's, he's whipped and he's, he's, he's bound and then he's dragged. He's told to drag the lumber up the hill. And he's nailed with carpenter nails, his hands and his feet, and he's lifted, in the, lifted up onto the cross. And, 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 and you got to picture this. All this is falling apart within just days. They're going, what is going on? Their, their hope is dissipating. Their hope now is, is gone to some confidence to some wishful thinking. This isn't working out the way we planned. And then from a distance, they, they, they saw and they actually heard his voice saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And, and as much as it's a beautiful thing of forgiveness, they feel like he's kind of given up. I mean, he had all the power. I mean, he raised a dude from the dead just a week before in, in Bethany. Why couldn't he raise himself up and get himself off the cross? In fact, they even the soldiers taunted him to try to do that. But he didn't. At the very last words, he says, it is finished and at that moment the darkness came over the sky you know it was just this moment of utter death that took place that's when hope died their misguided hope died with jesus that day hope drowned that moment and i tell you the first easter come on the first easter as we get excited about it is this guess what there was no anticipation at the tomb Dead men are dead. Hope dies, and your leader dies, and, and that is it. And even though Jesus told them he would come back to life, their misguided hope disappointed them. But on that third day, and we sing, and on that third day, no, they, there, was no, there was no anticipation for that 
early morning. There was no pre-dawn vigil. There was no sunrise service. The first Easter had no hope. There was no resuscitation, and clearly there was no anticipation of resurrection. But on that third day, here's what it says. The third day of his death, but on the first day of the week, very early in Sunday morning, says this. The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. And in their fright, the women bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And here it is. Then they remembered his words. Look at that, this. Jesus told his closest followers three different times recorded, and I bet there's more recordings of it, or, or more moments that he, he did that. And yet, they, they forgot. They, they, they not only forgot, they, 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 they realized that they, they, they came to it, but they didn't even have it in their forethought. I think we realize this, as much as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, you got to know that the closest people to that very moment, they had no hope. They had no hope and belief in that. And I think that's so good. It's, there's some honesty here that goes with that. If you have some honest doubts, in fact, you're here today and you have some honest doubts about Jesus. If you're watching on, you have some honest doubts about Jesus. Maybe you find that your doubts are interesting because your doubts might not be like, you know, the historical evidence of Jesus. Because if you don't believe in the historical evidence of Jesus, you probably don't even believe that George Washington was our president. I mean, there's enough evidence. There's more evidence of Jesus Christ in history than we have that he existed as, as who he was on this earth than, than other our American presidents. Also, we can't deny how much of an amazing teacher he was. We have evidence of that. What he proclaimed and was profound. You know, you, we still use it today. We set morality by Jesus. Do unto others as you do unto me. I mean, these are, these are things that we practice in morality. You can't deny the teachings of Jesus. You can't really deny the, the historical evidence of Jesus in a rational mind. But when it comes to the resurrection, people go, eh, I don't know about that. And so as much as if you have honest doubts about the resurrection, guess what? His best friend did too. Peter, it says this, look at what it says. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bent over, and he, he saw strips of linen lying by themselves and went away wondering to himself what had happened. I mean, come on, you're Peter for crying out loud. I mean, for, don't we say for Peter's sake or something? There's something, there's a phrase for that. Maybe it came from this, for Pete's sake. Why didn't it happen? Peter, come on, man. You, 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 you're the right-hand guy, and you, you didn't believe. You, know, you, you, you wondered what had happened? What do you think would happen? Not the first Easter, not the resurrection. They weren't expecting it because dead people are dead. You need to know how significant this is. The very men and women who, who knew Jesus best, that one day, you know, realize one day they would write down what happened. They would convince people who are skeptics and they would document. And you know, it's just thing you always think about each Easter. They would document their unbelief. See, if, you know, if you're going to make up the story about Jesus, typically, you know, if you're going to write, I mean, you're, you should be writing yourself as the hero of the story, right? You should be saying, oh, you know, we, you know, everybody doubted. 
Everybody doubted, but I didn't. I didn't. I knew it would happen. I knew he'd come back from the dead. There's nobody, they're so honest in that because nobody expected. There was no human hope that was there. Not even his closest followers. What we find is in the early Easter morning is the tomb is empty. And when we sing that, we declare the tomb is empty. It's, it's empty. Guess what? When they looked at the tomb, even after this angel approached him, you know what they ended up doing? They went and hid. What, he, the, the empty tomb, what was the response to the empty tomb? To hide. And, and I encourage you, if you're, if, if you're you know, wanting to pursue and understand the, the reality of Jesus and who he is, Take your doubts and deal with your doubts. I encourage you, if you have doubts, it's a natural response to an unseen and unknown future. Those are doubts are there. But I want to encourage you, do something with your doubts. And what I love about Jesus over and over again is he will meet us in our doubts. He will meet us right where we are. He'll meet us in our fear because it's only a matter of time that Jesus will reveal, yourself, reveal himself to you. If, you're, if you listen. And here's what happens. It's interesting. Is that Jesus later that day, he goes and, we, well, he didn't knock on the door. He didn't have to knock on the door. This is what it says. He went right through the door. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, when the, the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, saying, peace be with you. I'm sure they need, he needed to say that. They're probably freaking out when he said that. And after he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. He goes, I am, I am he. I am, I am the one. It's me. And, and a little bit later, you read about Thomas. And Thomas was known to be the doubter and everything. And, 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 and Thomas always got a bad rap. But Thomas was actually the one that said, when Jesus said he was going to go die, Jesus said, Thomas was the one that said, I will go die with you. He had that level of faith. But he wanted proof. He wanted to see it. And so when Thomas saw the hands, the nail holes in the hands and the feet, this is what he declared, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, listen to this. It says, because you've seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are those who have not seen. Who are those people? Us. Did you know you were in the Easter story? You're in it today. That's you and I. Those who have not seen and yet believe. That is called faith. That is faith in the confidence of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. That's true faith. We rest our lives on this. Jesus reveals himself to them, the resurrected Lord. And I love about Jesus, as they had all those doubts, they had all this misguided hope, he didn't go, Guys, you didn't get it. Here I am. I'm leaving. That's, I'm done with you. Like, so how much more do I have to prove? You know what Jesus did? He spent the next 40 days with them. He spent the next 40 days continuing to talk about the kingdom, continue to prepare them that he's going to go, and probably at that point going, well, you're back from the dead. Don't go anywhere. He goes, no, I have to leave. And as they spent time with him, this is what the Bible says, the disciples were overjoyed with them and said to the Lord again, peace be with you. And, as the, and he says this, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He basically is saying, I, I'm a, I, he spent 40 days appearing to them, not just to the 12, it says over 500 people he's appearing to. I mean, he's, he's letting them know, I'm alive again, but I've got to go and I'm sending you out. I want you to go in my name. 
and to go and make more disciples based on what I have not only said, but what I said I did and I did, and I've proven it. I want you to say that. I want you to build this. And so that we need to know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ created Christianity. It launched the church as a movement. And we need to keep this in mind that, that it's built on these eyewitnesses, the very ones that had doubts, the very ones that lost all human hope, put their hope back in and the solidity of the resurrection of Jesus. Eyewitnesses, what do they do? They documented it, they collate it, they copy it, they distribute it, and now we call the Bible. These scared, hopeless men and women became martyrs that would lead a movement of the church that's been going on for the last 2,000 Easter's. That we're here. Despite tragedies and trials and even a pandemic, we are here today. All our faith is built on this very single event, the resurrection. I love what Paul summarizes the entire plan with this. Apostle Paul, early church leader, wrote this. He said, for there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ had not been raised either. If Christ had not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. The reason we are here today is not because it's a holiday. The reason that we come on the other 52 Sundays a year is not because there's a dead leader. That one fall, there's a dry ancient document that we carry around in a little binder called a Bible. It's, it's, not a, there's not, it's not a dead religion. It's a live Lord and Savior and leader of our life that we follow. It's a resurrecting, living hope that we have. The resurrection happened, but it's still happening in our lives. Amen? I don't always call for an amen, but Easter is a good day to do that. That's what our faith is built upon. And you gotta catch this. Let's put these pieces together. So what is faith? Faith is not just kind of believing out there passively. What's hope? Hope is not just wishful thinking. Hope it'll happen. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. No. Faith is built on, on this, on a known future and a confidence that the very reality of the resurrection is what gives us hope and assurance of the known future that we do not see yet. You got to understand how significant this is. It's built on the resurrection reality of what happened. 2,000 years ago that's built on our faith today, but what is still happening for a known future of the, of, 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 for all eternity? We can know that future. Now, I can't predict your life. Not that anyone can. I don't know the twists and turns, what's going to happen, and babies born, babies raised, and, and, and children you have, and what they're, what they're going to turn out to be, and what you're going to turn out to be, and what's going to happen, what you're going to do. And, and I know that's good. But we know at the end the ultimate hope is not resting on this earth. Our hope is not in the things that are here. Our hope is not based on, you know, oh, I, you know I hope this happens. No, it's based on this known ultimate future that we have. Here's the thing. Let me ask you this. Do you know that future? Do you have confidence in that future? That is what you can have this very day. That's where the hope is. You just can't see it yet, but you can know it. Doesn't any, everybody want that? I do. I want that assurance and I want that confidence. I'm going to invite our team as we come and close our Easter 2023. Man, it's amazing. 20 years here. This is so amazing. Some of you I'm going to talk to a few people that have been around for 20 years, a part of our church. But 20 Easter's, maybe you've had longer Easter's in your life. 
Maybe this is the first Easter, though, that actually means what it really is about for you to experience the resurrecting life for you. As our team comes and gets ready, as we close in this time together and prayer together, I want to just um, let you know and give you a little update. And I think this is, if you want to find out where hope is embodied, is in this wonderful story, wonderful reality of someone with us. Um, many might know Sarah, look, she's on our staff here, and she does a great job with our, our, our social media and web and publication things, just such a great help. Uh, keeping us organized and all that we do and the stuff you get and read and everything. Uh, her and her husband Jason have been together for a few years and they've been trying to have a baby. And if some of you can relate with this, I mean, they're, they're doing all they can in a medical possibility of making this happen. And they finally got pregnant and, 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 and it was amazing. And after 18 weeks though, some complications happened. There was a loss of ambientic fluid that was taking place. And, and it was a moment we're going, oh, no. And rather than panic, you know what we ended up doing? We went to prayer. I tell you, prayer went out for Sarah and baby L, we call baby L, and, and, and rallying. And as that baby had lost the fluid, guess what? The heartbeat was strong. This was a strong baby. This is, there was a fight that was going on for this, this child. And, and it's amazing. I love talking to Sarah this week about this. As I asked her, hey, can I get permission to share this? She was saying that, and two separate occasions, two separate circumstances, there's a prayer group here with a lady named Sandy and another person she know, I think might have been a family member, named Sandy as well. Two Sandys that separately didn't know this, each other, both said, we're praying for this baby, this baby's a warrior. And nicknamed Baby Warrior. And Baby Warrior continued, has continued to receive prayer. And I believe at, at 24 weeks, is that right? 24 weeks, baby was born. March 29th at 5.31 a.m., one pound and 9.8 ounces right there. Baby L's name, Lucas, baby Lucas, Andreas Lichty. And what I love about the middle name, Sarah told me this week, she goes, you need, I, you know, talk about how the baby word, you name it. No, no, no. She goes, oh, that came from the Sandys, these separate Sandys that said this. But we picked out his name months before, and guess what Andreas means in English? Warrior. Don't you love that? I'm telling you that's an embodiment of hope, and we hang on that hope. In fact, you know, when Jason, when the babe, that morning I called and, and talked to Jason, the dad, and, and, and I said, what, how did it go? I mean, how, how did the baby, you know, the baby is born. How's the baby? And he said, he came, he came out kind of scratching and, and fighting on the way out. I'm thinking, a little guy, right? That's the fight that was there and the fight of prayer. And so I want to encourage you with this. Keep praying for baby Lichty, baby Lucas. Keep praying for baby warrior. And there's milestones. If you go on Facebook, you see, I think they were able to hold him yesterday. And so just continue to pray and believe for that. Trusting in resurrecting hope each step of the way. And I love when I was talking with Sarah the other day, she just said something that sounds so basic, but it's so true. She says, when we were talking about hope, she goes, I hold on to hope because what else is there? What else is there? But she doesn't put her hope in wishful thinking. She doesn't put her hope and maybe this will work out. She puts her hope, her and Jason putting their hope and confidence in, in, in the God of all hope the God of hope that loved us so much that sent his very son to come and to not only die, but put the hope squarely in the resurrection of 
Jesus himself. That is where we put our hope. Our hope is this, this faith is, is the confidence of what we're hoping for and the assurance of what we do not see. That's where we place it. So the twists and turns and, and all that happens in this life, no one can predict the unknown of this life, but we have the known future of Jesus Christ and what he has. We know the end. But do you know that? Do you? Here's my question for you this morning as we close. Do you have that hope? Do you have the hope in you? Do you need the hope to resurrect you today? Because I tell you that hope is a known hope. That hope is something that we have, and, and the hope we have, because you might be here today, and you might be feeling hopeless. There's hopelessness with you. We, we really, before you leave, do not leave without getting prayer for the people that are here today. But I think a lot of us, and I'll give an opportunity to respond here today, kind of feel like maybe we're, kind of have less hope. We're pushing the hope dispenser, and nothing's coming out, and we're low on hope. Today's an opportunity for God of all hope to fill you. The very spirit that raised Christ from the dead wants to fill you with hope today. I tell you, if you're here today and you're trying other things to fill you with hope, that's really all you're doing is trying to cope. You're looking for, you're looking for this, you're looking for that, you're putting your, your efforts into certain things. Some of them can be healthy, a lot of them are unhealthy. You're, those, hope, those coping mechanisms are not going to give you hope. I don't care how great a swimmer you are. You're not going to make it. You're not going to, you can't put your confidence in your own abilities or your lack thereof. I heard someone say, it's so true, that um, is this, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, to make, make dead people alive. That's what he does. That's the work he does. None of us ever could do the best and we'll never make it. So it's time for us to let go of our doubts and our fears and whatever, whatever you perceive as hope, hope for you, to turn to the one, to the God of all hope that you can trust in today and have the confidence of a known future. Say, so as we go to prayer here today, if, if faith, true faith, is a confidence assurance of a known future with God forever, what if you don't have that confidence? The reason you don't have that confidence in the known future because you've not turned to the one, to the God of all hope, to fill you, to have that confidence into the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're saved. We have that, in John it says this, that it says that all who believe and all trust in his name have the right to become a child of God. That's confidence. That if something happens to you and the unknown of this world or something happens to you 70 years from now, because we're all appointed to die, you can have that hope and confidence in your salvation for God for all eternity. Do you have that confidence? I mean, I don't understand why people are not, if they, if they can understand how clearly this is, that they can live in that confidence and have no fear for all eternity. What more can we have? And yet there's doubts that come in. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I just, I have some doubts. I encourage you. God's okay with your doubts. Just bring your doubts to Him. But don't put your hope in anything else or anyone else, but ultimately the true one of the God of all hope that wants that for you. You can have that confidence today through Jesus Christ, the resurrecting hope. And I want to encourage you, I want to have a moment. We're going to have a private moment, kind of in a public place here for you to pray. 
and to receive Jesus as a God of all hope for you today. But I also want to pray for those here that are feeling a bit hopeless or hopeless for you as well. Will you bow with me in prayer as we close? I want to give you a moment. I want you to reflect here today on all that you heard. Because I don't, it could be those here in the room, those are online, that, that you're here and listening, watching, sitting in this place. And you would say that you've, you want to be hopeful, but you, you really would honestly say that if you died today or die one day, which we're all going to die one day, that you really don't have that confidence. You really can't say you have faith and that confidence of what you hope for and the certainty of what you cannot see because you've not placed your life in the God of all hope. Jesus came. He died and he rose again to create this pathway for you to have that confidence today, to have that assurance of hope for all eternity. If you're doubting that, you say, I want to place my weight of my life in the hands of Jesus crucified Christ and the risen Lord today. I need you, Jesus, to be my Lord, my Savior, and leader of my life today. If that's you here this morning and you have not received Jesus, that resurrecting hope in you, your personal faith in Him, I want to invite you just to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Is your heads bowed, eyes closed? Is everyone here today? I want to give opportunity. No, that means that everybody has, or some of you are still working through it. And I want to tell you, that's okay. But if you're still working through it, don't give up on that working through it. Don't let this go. Don't let it slip away. It'd be too late. You don't want that. Consider all that Jesus did. Reflect upon his sacrifice. Reflect upon his giving, coming back to life to give you life for all eternity. You can turn to Romans 10, 9. It's like, confess it with your mouth. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's for you today, this resurrection day to resurrect your life. It also means that there's people out there have yet to hear the message of Jesus. I want to encourage all of us with this idea is to be hope dealers this week. If we have the God of all hope in us, we want to be able to dispense that hope to others but you can't give what you don't have and you might be here in an honest way going man I believe in Jesus I believe I know where I'm going in eternity but man I'm lacking a lot of hope in my life right now if you're here today and your hope is this less and you need to be filled with hope again just be honest before the Lord right now would you raise your hand I want to pray for you anybody here I see some hands I got my hand up at times too depends on which day of the week isn't it I need that hope today. Let's pray together as we close. God, I don't know every heart you do. I don't know every soul that has you or doesn't have you. But I, I'm, I'm praying and trusting in the people in this room that because I trust in you, that you're at work in each of their lives. There's some here that, that have put their hope in you as, and they're turning in your hands and they have that confidence. They have that known, they know the future. They know the future and that confidence in you. They don't know what's going to happen in this life, but they know ultimately where they're going. Destined for you forever, with you forever. And that's awesome. We can have that confidence. But yet there's some here today that have some doubts. Lord, will you, Lord, will you meet them at their doubts? You said that if, if we're honest with our doubts, basically if we, 
if we seek you with all our heart, you said you would be found by you. It's just like the disciples, even though they saw the empty tomb, they hid. And you, you came to them and revealed yourself to them. Lord, will you go through doors? Will you go through walls? Will you, will you reveal yourself this week? Will you make it in a dramatic way? I pray that for those here in this room and those watching online, but our friends and our family, if we could believe for that as well, that they would get a revelation of you this week, the God of a hope that loves them, this resurrecting hope that you offer. And it's a living hope. It's not a hope that, that it resurrected and that's it. No, it, this, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and lives through us, Lord. And I pray that here for today, that, that those that we, we call you as a God of hope, but where our hope is low, will you fill us by your spirit? That same spirit that raised him from the dead, that Christ is in us, is, is now can fill us with that hope. Will you do that? Will you fill us up this week? that we would overflow and that we would just be hope dispensers to people. That people, when they press on our life, when they get near us, what comes out is hope. What comes out is encouragement. What comes out is love. What comes out is positivity of you and who you are. May we be hope dealers this week of who you are, Lord. And may that spread to the people that we love and the people we care about that need that hope, Lord. And we believe for that and we trust in that. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you for that living hope in us and through us as we celebrate this resurrection day. 20 years later, Lord, we're believing for another 20 of North Bay and our lives and what you have. We trust you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand as we close here our Easter service. And as you stand, I want you to know each and every week, not just on Easter Sunday, we have people that are here to pray with you and encourage you. And I'll tell you what, last week I needed some prayer. Um, I was praying, I prayed with a couple that um, I, was, I was feeling sick and they prayed for me, but I got sick this week. So I don't know what that means, but I do know this, God works through our sickness. And I was encouraged by that couple and they prayed for me. And I tell you, I can stand here today because of their prayer that I was well enough to be here today and for you to be here today. Prayer works because we trust and these people partner with you that we believe in a God of hope. So if you need a little bit more hope today, they'd love to pray with you. We also would love to connect with you. Maybe you made a spiritual commitment today. Each and every week we have these, we have these connection cards and on there is next steps. And each step is for you to say, man, I made a commitment to Christ. I, I wanna grow more in my faith. And also there's a mark you could check for baptism. We're gonna be having baptisms at the end of April, April 30th here in the services. And I wanna invite you, if you wanna get baptized, let us know. Um, pray about that or even respond. And it's just interest and we'll talk with you about that and the steps to do that. Uh, awesome. I hope that you can have and celebrate this beautiful resurrection day. Let's sing our living hope today. Have a great Easter.